Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.
What's up, everyone? How's it going? This is the Belly Up Fantasy Live football show, of course, joined by Chris Dauhauer. Uh, and missing Justin Herrera. Uh, he had something come up last minute, um, but that's okay. We'll, we'll still be talking some football, talking um, what, what happened last week, uh, what we see going forward, what we're going to do on the waiver wire, um, you know, some last-minute trades and some of the leagues that haven't passed their deadline yet. Um, all of that and more coming up, Chris. How have your fantasy teams been? I guess the last two weeks we missed last Tuesday for our uh, our show's Thanksgiving break. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, took a little took a little hiatus for ourselves there. Um, hope everybody had a great holiday. Um, yeah, I think for myself, I didn't do so wonderful this past week for sure. I was a Christian McCaffrey owner, um, a Cam Newton owner, a George Kittle owner. So I can continue down the list. I'm, um, I also had. Mr. Godwin for um, the Bucks. So, yeah, I didn't put up a lot of points, um, and I definitely wasn't a very happy camper after this week. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my team that relies heavily upon uh, the Chiefs did very, very poorly. However, my other my other uh, good team did very well. So that was that was good. But um the the Chiefs reliant team was not helped by Kareem Hunt and Aaron Jones performances either <laughs> uh, <laughs> who are now both on by hopefully get some time to rest up and at least come back uh, a little better but that hurt quite quite a bit all right um so before we get into the action we'll, we'll get right into it um our belly ups and our belly flops so our our performers um if you don't remember from for the hiatus, uh, our top performers and our lowest performers in fantasy um, from the prior week. Um, before we get into that, of course, is an ad from our sponsor, Manscaped. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the Performance Package 4.0 from the global leaders and below the waist grooming? Not to mention, it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws every in-laws dream give your manscape or the man in your life who needs it though join the four million men worldwide who trust manscape with 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code belly of fantasy by going to manscape.com think your holiday spread is good it's time to give thanks to the manscape performance package 4.0 or as i like to call it the perfect package for your package inside you'll find our lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker ear and hair nose trimmer crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold all your goodies think of it as cornucopia for your balls that's 20 percent off and free shipping when you use the promo code bellyupfantasy at manscaped.com be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from manscaped your balls will thank you Thank you so much for uh, reading that off for us, Dan. Much appreciated. You are missed uh, on this show. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so like I said, we're going to get right into our belly ups and our belly flops. But one more thing before that, we have our belly up player of the week, um, which you know we missed uh, getting to announce on this show this past week. It would have been Jonathan Taylor, who scored five touchdowns. Uh, we get to do kind of one step lower than that, and this week is Leonard Fournette having scored four touchdowns against Jonathan Taylor's own 
Indianapolis Colts. Um, so shout out to Leonard Fournette um, for this very clearly prestigious award. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Chris, uh, who, who's your first belly up um, of, of the week? Uh, one of my belly ups was the guy who was just running through at Pittsburgh Swiss cheese defense this weekend. That was Joe Mixon. Uh, it was absolutely dominant. He's been the RB one that you're hoping for this entire season. We've been on a stretch, I think, four or five games now where he scored a touchdown. And this past week, he just showed you, you know, what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands and he dominated. And Joe Mixon will win my belly up for this week. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Mixon definitely um, helped me win a game last week for sure. He he dominated. Um, an- another guy on that same team who I had, uh, Elijah Mitchell, had a really, really good game for San Francisco. Um, he's been kind of that, I mean, one of the waiver wire gets of the season, um, potentially the waiver wire get of the season where if you got him, he's up there with Cordero Patterson, essentially, where if you got these guys early in the season off the waiver wire, uh, you got a ton of value for, for not that much cost. Um, got 27 attempts, uh, (laughs) over 130, 30 yards, a touchdown, um, you know, just, Really good stuff from him uh, against Minnesota and um, really valuable for, for fantasy right now and potentially really undervalued in dynasty leagues, which is something we'll talk about more in the offseason. Um, but just kind of having gauged that a little bit, I think he is a little undervalued over there because he has incredible upside right now. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. He's looking good. Um, so my other belly ups come to go to an old man, 35-year-old Deshaun Jackson, gave us something to kind of actually get excited about in the Thanksgiving games. Most of the games were quite boring, were very high scoring, but Deshaun Jackson added some flavor. Didn't have a lot of receptions, but had some big plays. You saw the opportunity when he gets the ball in his hands, what he can do. Uh, drew some pass interference, you know, the fantasy things that you're looking for, but you saw a lot of air yards for this guy. So, you know, give a belly up and want to go in the, be somebody that you're kind of looking for right now that you're pleased to see added to this Raiders offense. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll give you some flavors of Deshaun Jackson in, in my second. Uh, belly up didn't really have a, a similar stat line at all this week um but you know definitely has a skill set to do some of the things that he does Jalen Waddle nine reception it's on 10 targets over 130 yards also a touchdown uh <laughs> just a, a really dominant performance for him he's been like a go-to guy uh in this offense for all of the or both quarterbacks that have you know been in and out um you know to a is just getting a ton of receptions for being a young receiver. I think he's already past 70 uh, in the seventies. So um, been really productive as a rookie, but has had absolutely colossal games this past two, um, you know, with what is this 40, 48 points in PPR over the past two weeks. So, I mean, for, for a rookie, that's <laughs> not bad at all. Um, yeah, absolutely. A really great player there as well. Yeah, it was nice to see him get some chunk plays this week as well. I mean, mm-hmm. that was one of the things that this guy's known for his speed. We've pretty much seen him be, you know, held to most a check down receiver in a lot of ways, but we saw him get down the field this week. So that was definitely exciting to see even more upside opportunity for him. Yeah, yeah that was absolutely. a great one. Um, so my other belly up's going to have to be Mr. Cordell Patterson. Welcome back to the Atlanta Falcons offense. Without you, you're, the offense is pathetic and can't do anything, can't do anything fantasy-wise, can't produce anything fantasy-wise. But Cordell Patterson somehow, some way, is able to do something for that, whether it's through the air or on the ground, which this week it was on the ground. 
and Cordell Patterson's my belly up for the one of the playoffs for the week. Um, kudos to this guy. So I thought he should be out for like two, three weeks with, you know, messed up ankle, comes back out there and just dominates. And, you know, Jacksonville had been too bad against the run. Cordell Patterson didn't care, didn't care about that line of offense doing nothing and was able to kind of carry that team on his back. Yeah. Um, absolutely agree with that one for sure. My final belly up will be uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, who we haven't really got to talk about the comeback of him at all since he came back last week. We missed that show. Um, he's been a fantastic fantasy tight end, just like he was at the beginning of the season before getting hurt. Um, and, you know, had an absolutely outstanding game uh, against the Colts this past week. Uh, seven receptions, 10 targets, 123 yards. Um, you know, wasn't the touchdown reliant guy we saw kind of early in the season either was just making his receptions, um, you know, all over the field, um, you know, getting a little deep, you know, being that, um, you know, check down guy for Brady. It's kind of doing it all being a, a very important option in that offense um, is going to be a very impactful tight end for a lot of teams kind of pushing into the playoffs right now. Uh, so we'll move on to your our belly flops if you want to hit yours. Yeah, so be, talking about Mr. Gronkowski or something about, you know, Leonard Fournette is the guy we voted for, you know, BFL Player of the Week. Um, for myself, at least Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin having those belly flop opportunities I was kind of talking about at the beginning of the show. Mike Evans and Godwin, you did not expect this to kind of happen this week. Um, you got basically nothing out of both players. Um, it, it was not a game that you were happy about. You're excited to see for Gronk if you have Gronk on your team, but otherwise you were pretty pissed off this week. Um, so <laughs> I, I, two guys, two guys I give them my belly flops for this week, that tandem and receiving corporate Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'm going to give you, you another tandem. Um, the Browns running backs, uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt, were had a disappointing output. I mean, just I think Chubb had like two yards per carry. Between the two, they had like 15 attempts. Uh, it's just not – not good for for the Browns. The, those guys, you know, together are normally dominant, and it, it just wasn't really there. Granted, they're both kind of uh, – Chubb's been back from an injury a little bit. Uh, you know, Hunt's still working his way back, but, you know, need more from that that elite running back tandem um, for sure in Cleveland. To help out Baker, honestly, because he cannot do it by himself, I think. Uh, that much is definitely clear. Uh, we can argue all day about his viability as a quarterback otherwise, but he's certainly not carrying a team. <laughs> no, he's not. No, no. Um, so I'm going to cheat again for another belly flop and give you another tandem. This isn't a backfield tandem, but in a sense it is. Uh, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey, both guys terribly disappointing for against Carol- for Carolina this week. Carolina in general, just as a team, more had a decent game ever overall. That defense was un, was pathetic versus the offense. The offense definitely was pathetic. Cam Newton looked horrible out there, just throwing pick after pick, five for twenty four or twenty one at some point. Um, only ran the ball three times, four yards. You weren't you weren't expecting that. We talked about being a chief reliant person. That's where I was as well. I had Patrick Mahomes on a bye this past week, so I thought maybe Cam Newton would be a nice little play. Uh, boy, was I wrong, and boy was Christian McCaffrey just as disappointing. And just overall for this entire season, um, I know myself. I spent a number one pick on that guy and. I got, I think, five good teams out of them, and it's just really, uh, a belly flop overall for the season as well. <laughs> yeah, that's always super, super frustrating. And I'm going to get to that for my take. There's some uh, foreshadowing. But uh, 
yeah, so my flop's going to be Aaron Jones is another back coming off an injury. So you got to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, he'll probably come back and be fine. But, uh, you know, in his first game back, uh, 10 carries did not do much with it uh, due to both game script and the fact that he is coming back off of an injury. A.J. Dillon um, had the majority of the uh, running back volume. Now, it wasn't by much. I think it was like 52 percent or you know, in the fifties, it was relatively close. Um, however, you know, just not what you want to see with your running back coming back. Now, uh, Green Bay has their bye, and, you know, you should be able to push past it afterwards, you know, give them another week of rest, uh, and it should be fine, but nonetheless, uh, disappointing if, uh, you know, you were forced into playing him, um, just because of the scarcity of that position. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, another belly flop of mine this week was something we had to watch last night, and that's Mr. DK Metcalf, um, one of my favorite receivers in the NFL. Guy's a beast, and just it was it was it's hard to watch Russell Wilson. I'm not a Russell Wilson fan per se, but boy, is it hard to watch him play right now, and especially DK Metcalf being wasted over there. I know the fantasy owners got to be frustrated. DK was not expected to have nothing against the Washington defense that has struggled this entire season, particularly against the pass and the big play. I know people have to be upset this morning. Saw four or five targets. I think three of those, are, you know, or yes, targets as I call them, because they're just targets that throw the ball in your area. Maybe 50, bound, 50 yards out of bounds, but that was in your area as a target somehow. DK Metcalf was not involved in this game. Has been the last two weeks. So definitely does our belly flop this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my final guy is definitely Darren Waller. Um, you know, had a bit of a has been kind of back and forth after coming back from the injury. You know, it was had that fantastic game to start the season was kind of teetering as the, you know, like low for him, but still pretty good given the tight end position um, until his injury uh, misses two games, uh, has a really good game. First game back, then bad one, then a really good one. And then this week, uh, you know, two receptions for 33 yards, um, you know, on one of those Thanksgiving games and a, a game that had a lot of offense, both teams scored in thirties. Uh, there was plenty of offense to go around here. Um, and, Waller still couldn't really get it done for fantasy purposes. So, um, you know, disappointing because that's someone, one of the premier tight ends at the position. So it always kind of hurts when you get a bad week for, um, from him. So I'm moving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on from that is, uh, kind of the key takes from the week. So if you have anything, um, that for sure. Well, although I got burned by the situation of Patrick Mahomes, you know, playing him for Patrick Mahomes, it's one thing I think that's really important to kind of take moving forward and just in general is, but the quarterback position, now you have your guys that you're going to kind of roll out there week in, week out. A lot of people like to stream the quarterback. I think now as you get close to the playoffs, now's the time to make sure you have two, maybe even three options. You know, COVID's kind of creeping around the corner with lots of issues that are popping up here and there. You want to be prepared to have a quarterback as the last position you want to be able to lose. It's going to be hard enough to kind of scrounge up receivers and kind of running backs, but the quarterbacks typically score the most points week in, week out. You want to make sure you have good options going into the playoff stretch. So I highly encourage people to kind of think about making sure you have the depth of the quarterback position that you need and want and be ahead of kind of solutions in hand where guys can kind of aren't panning out as you kind of expected to a Cam Newton. You have somebody else that you can kind of fall back in as an option as well. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I like it. Um, my take, and as I alluded to earlier, was regarding the running back volatility and that whole um, you know, situation, I suppose. Uh, and, and it's nothing that one can really act upon too much now, except that, you know, I guess in Dynasty. But I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess I've heard a lot of stuff in, in hindsight about, you know, Christian McCaffrey and some of these other early running backs. Uh, and about, you know, like, you know, just trying to draft uh, running backs were safer. You know, maybe that would be better off versus the, the point per game potential or whatever. And the issue with that is, is just it's a position that gets injured a lot. And it's not really any particular person. Not that there aren't backs that are, are more injury prone than others, but that most backs are going to have injury problems at, at some time or another. Um, and someone today was telling me that, uh, you know, they wish they would have just, instead of CMC gotten like an Eckler or a, a Mixon or some of the guys playing healthy right now, that are playing really, really well playing RB one football. Um, they're like, you know, I wish I would have set, settled on one of those safer guys, but that's hindsight. If we remember back in, you know, August when we were drafting in September, whatever, uh, Mixon was an injury-prone guy because of last year. Eckler was an injury-prone guy because of last year. I mean, you look at really any of the top running backs. Uh, obviously, CMC's had a lot of his injuries. Dalvin Cook's been labeled injury-prone, although over, although over the last two years, he's honestly probably had less injuries than most backs. Alvin Kamara's not really injury-prone, but he's, you know, misses some games here and there. Derrick Henry hasn't had too many injuries throughout his career, but has had a pretty major one this season. Barkley had a major one last season and has missed games this season. Jonathan Taylor were pretty safe. Ezekiel Elliott's playing hurt. Uh, Chubb missed games this season. Eckler missed games last season. Cam Akers is on IR. Aaron Jones missed a game and is playing hurt. Joe Mixon makes, missed a lot of games last season. Outside of the young running backs, there's really no like healthy running back that's safe that you can fall back to. So uh, there's just no reason to go after anything but potential at that position. Like It's just going after safety doesn't really help because that running back is still probably going to get hurt at some point that you're just going to get burned anyways. So I don't know. Sorry to ramble too much, but no, that's I I mean, I, I I think that was fantastic, Adam. I think that exactly what you're saying is what people need to hear. Sometimes there's people get caught up in, you know, with the flavor of the the moment and just kind of overreact to things, particularly running back position. And as you're pointing out, it's not something that, what were you going to take that was going to be so much better? And I, you know, you pointed out some of the running back situations about people getting injured. But let's also not get kid ourselves. It's not just running back. It's receivers. Receivers miss time too. 
yeah. how many number one guys are actually being number one guys. If I knew, you know, Cooper Cup was going to be number one guy, I would do Cooper Cup number one too. But obviously, that wasn't what people were talking about Cooper Cup coming into the season. So I think that's something that you talk about hindsight. Absolutely, hindsight. There's a lot of things. James Robinson would have been everybody's flavor of the week versus what Travis Etienne going to do this year. Uh, there's so many different things that happen in fantasy. It's always about the odds. Try to increase the odds for things to happen for your best chances to win. And I think that you know you don't want to you don't ever want to draft teams in fear. I'm a big proponent of that. I don't think you're stupid about it. I don't think you go after guys who are obviously having, you know, a historical injury after historical injury. But I also think that you kind of pointed out guys like Eckler and Joe Mixon who, quote, unquote, were injury prone coming into the season. But if people would have took them and valued them where they needed to be because they had an injury prone level label, you know, maybe they still could have had value for them this year. So don't forget about that for Christian McCaffrey next year when Christian McCaffrey's maybe falling down the chart. And you're like, oh, he's injury prone. He's been hurt the last two years. Yeah, but so have some other guys, and look, still panned out. So I think yeah. you're making an excellent point. Yeah. So just remember this conversation come next year when you're drafting, because if someone like CMC falls to you, like Joe Mixon fell to me at the top of the second this past season, that's you know you got to take that. You got to take the potential with the workload and the talent, and just kind of shrug your shoulders and hope for the best as far as the injuries go. Sometimes I. Play the board. Don't overthink it. Um, injuries are just going to happen at the running back position. It's just the reality of the position. It's the nature of the position. Uh, you get tackled by, you know, big dudes 240 times a season. At some point, you're going to get hurt. It's just, you know, more often than not, that's just the reality. Um, so that's my, again, my whole spiel um, that I hope uh, we find can find some value in. Um so we can move on to the waiver wire, which it's a pretty interesting week um, for the waiver wire this this week. So, Chris, if you want to go ahead with kind of your your first target. Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the guys people kind of saw shine this past week on, on Thanksgiving was Josh Reynolds for Detroit. I think this is a guy that you can go ahead and add to your roster. I think that, you know, Hawkinson's day as being the only target in Detroit is going to kind of be fading away as time progresses. Uh, you never kind of give, give you that ceiling you're hoping for, but Josh Reynolds is going to come out there and be a receiver one or anything like that, but I think he'll definitely be a good receiver three option for you in an offense that's going to have to throw the ball. They'd like to have to play with pace, and he has familiarity with Jared, you know, with Jared Goff. Him and Goff had been together with, on the Rams. They had a good connection with one another, so this is a guy I think can easily be the receiver one and kind of that Williams role that we expected him to, Williams to play at the beginning of the season that he never kind of you know was able to because of injuries. Um, I think you can kind of see Reynolds fill that role. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent choice. Um, it should be available in a lot of redraft leagues and could absolutely be someone that you can put in a flex or, um, you know, put in because of injury and, and can perform for sure. Um, could at least get the volume. Uh, you know, prayers that Goff can help you out. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I think he's a really good fit in that offense. And I, I am glad you bring him up. Um my first waiver wire ad, if he's not on a roster in your league, that is because, um, you know, I think in a lot of competitive leagues, he is probably on rosters. Um, but if he's available, get yourself Madison or some of these other handcuffs to injured running backs. Um, you know, Madison has been one of the most obvious and one of the best handcuff running backs um, in, you know, recent years. He, he gets pretty great fantasy points whenever Cook is out. 
um, you know, is a plug and play high end RB two to low end RB one, whichever weeks uh, Cook misses. Um, so if he is on the waiver wire, just go check. And as you're making your playoff push, you can get a relatively free um, high end running back for a couple weeks. You know, it's not going to last forever, but at least for a week or two, um, you can have that high end running back. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I'm talking about a running back that you can add that I'm kind of more bullish. Maybe people have or will be on. And although they're on a buy, I think you can add this guy sooner or later, be it advantageous. It's Hilliard for the Tennessee Titans. I know that we saw Foreman have a nice game, ran, ran really well. Hiller had a nice game as well. And he wasn't heavily involved in the passing game this past week, but that had been his role coming into the week. A lot of people think McNichols is going to come back and kind of push his playing time down to the side. I don't think so. I, I would be surprised. I think that they like this kid. Um, Todd Downing was, you know, had him when he was a coach in Cleveland. So he's familiar with his running back. I think they brought him in for a reason. That's partly why they moved him from Adrian Peterson, even though McNichols wasn't healthy still yet. So I do think that there's going to be a role for him, and I don't think necessarily McNichols is going to get his job, quote-unquote, back and move forward. I think Hiller could be a guy that you can kind of have as an option going into the playoffs. They play Jacksonville coming off the bye, um, and you're going to see a lot of you know, the running backs and kind of guys you can get as handcuffs. I don't know what some of these league people play, but I know for myself, there's nothing out there. Even the handcuffs aren't available. So if you can get your hands on any kind of running back potential, you want to grab it now sooner than later, and that's the guy I think you can get your hands on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that that's a really good one. He looked pretty explosive, like you said, has had a pass-catching role um, prior to this past week where he, he didn't as much. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's good. I mean, that offense still flows through the running back position um, with or without Derrick Henry. Um, if they've got to split it up, they've got to split it up, but that the running backs will will get the ball, that's for sure. Um, and I'm moving on to my next guy, um, and this is another one. I, he's definitely only available in redraft, and if he is, it's probably in, in some more work-type leagues. Um, although maybe some more competitive ones because he hadn't had any instant gratification uh, until this week. Taysom Hill, I think, is definitely an ad. Uh, you know, we can debate on if you start him that first week, he's a starter. But nonetheless, he's definitely someone that needs to be on a roster if he's not already, like I said. I think he probably is in a lot of more competitive leagues, but um, could certainly help be that guy, uh, Chris, to your point earlier, on you know having a depth quarterback. He's a perfect guy for that because um, he has that QB1 upside, and to get that off of waivers this late in the season is fantastic. You know, any any quarterback that has that rushing floor, and we've seen him in this offense before, um, you know, he should be able to help generate some offense for them because he doesn't really – need to pass the ball two weapons to generate offense. So that's going to be, I think, pretty big for him uh, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. Uh, I think Jason Hill is somebody that people should definitely be getting on our team sooner than later. Um, so I'm going to go in the opposite direction of, you know, guy waivers that maybe you don't overreact to or don't overprioritize or value, in my opinion. And that's Chubba Hubbard. I know the matchup versus Land is going to be fantastic, and after that, you're going to be very excited and then see who else that Carolina gets to play. Uh, you get to see Tampa. You get to see Buffalo. You get to see um, some of the hardest defenses to run the ball against. So I think this is something in New Orleans, I think, after that. Um, so this is a guy that you don't want to react to. You do see Abdullah become utilized a lot in the passing game as of late. He's been kind of the first guy off the bench as well. Um, I think Chubba Hubbard's going to be somebody who's going to be, you know, have value, 
but it's a guy that I think that you don't necessarily have to overvalue or go bonkers on trying to get your hands on, particularly if you want to risk, you know, position-wise for waiver wire or, you know, some of your fab maybe. I think this is a guy that you can kind of, you know, be patient with and don't overreact to. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I definitely think it's worrying seeing Abdullah kind of take into that workload um, and, and, to your point, be that first guy off the bench. Um, my last guy, and this is more of uh, – this is on the dynasty side for sure and really even only in deeper dynasty leagues. But say you're in a, a, a 12-team with a couple flexes uh, and a, a deep bench, then I, I think it could be time after all these years, years and years of waiting – it's time that Laquan Treadwell is rosterable <laughs> um, oh, due, wow. to, due to sheer volume and absolutely nothing to do with him. Anyone, if you've got 20 bench spots, then someone that's getting eight targets deserves a roster spot. Uh, hopefully you never have to play him, but nonetheless, um, you know, having someone who might be able to get you 10 points in a pinch in a deeper league um, is certainly helpful to some extent and again it's just helpful for that bottom of the roster churn um if you kind of know what you've got and some of those bottom the tier bottom of the roster guys um, not that we don't know what laquan treadwell is at this point um but if he's going to continue to get obnoxious volume well any bad player that gets obnoxious volume eventually will have fantasy value even if it's just a little bit so i guess that would also more so be in ppr but if the stars align and you're in a deep dynasty league with a lot of bench spots, then he could be your guy. If you were someone that was able to rely on Jamal Agnew, then this is your replacement for that. <laughs> Excellent advice. Excellent advice. Um, so do you have any anyone else uh, kind of on the waiver? or? I, I think I was going to give one more tip for advice of guys to also avoid. Don't be tempted. You kind of talked about volume is king, and I know a lot of people will throw that out there. I, I subscribe to the idea to a degree. But don't be tempted by the Houston backfield at all. Rex Burkhead, no matter what usage he gets, no matter what carries he gets, no matter David Johnson's involvement, don't fall victim to this backfield. They have by far their best matchup they could have versus the Jets, and both players did absolutely nothing pretty much for you. So that's their ceiling. Don't expect that they're going to be any high of a ceiling. Don't expect that they're going to be because they get so much volume. It's don't be tempted. That's just my suggestion. Yeah. I guess I should caveat on the volume thing. Now there's a lot more in PPR leagues <laughs> and for people that catch the ball than in any other situation. Uh, you can get 45 carries, but if you don't score a touchdown, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Um, but – you know, PPR will reward you for, for the volume a little bit. So, so uh, you know, take that little asterisk to my last suggestion there. <laughs> um, I, I have one last suggestion. Um, kind of just some guys who I, I think at this point we know what they are. And for redraft purposes, uh, to give you room for some of these running back handcuffs, some of these guys that we talked about adding, um, to give you room to get those guys, whether it's, quarterback depth, a running back handcuff, uh, a, you know, a flexible receiver like a, a Reynolds, what have you. Um, some guys that I suggest getting off of your redraft rosters for the time being, um, they would include Brian Edwards and Cortland Sutton. I don't, don't trust it. I don't, I think we know what they are. I think so we know what happens with Jerry Judy 
in this offense with, or yeah, what happens with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton when Bridgewater's the quarterback? It's spread too much. You cannot rely on him. Um, I would like for that not to be the case. I think the talent is absolutely there with both receivers. It's just not getting spread enough. There's too many mouths to feed and not enough talent to actually do the spreading. Um, he's kind of in a Devonta Smith situation where he was earlier in the season where he would pop off a game here or there, but you're never really going to be able to predict which ones just because there's so many mouths to feed. So I, I don't really, you know, take much value into that just because if you can't predict when he's going to go off, then, you know, kind of why bother? Uh, he's uh, would be a part of that roster turn. And then Brian Edwards, of course, uh, had one big game uh, a couple weeks ago and then hasn't really done much since. So I, I think it's, it's time to accept that um, the departure of rugs didn't really open up anything for him. Fantastic point. <clears throat> All right. So with that, uh, do you have any, any trade suggestions? I know a lot of leagues are kind of at the trade deadline or have just passed it, but do you have any trade suggestions? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot that you're probably making moves for right now. Uh, most trade deadlines are kind of approaching or almost, you know, have already passed. I think if right now, if you're kind of where you are, you're just trying to see if there's anybody desperate. That's my suggestion to kind of see people who are desperation mode to have to win a game or two for playoffs. Maybe you've got a playoff locked up already, and you can kind of pick on some of the guys who aren't in that same position. Um, that's my biggest thing. I don't necessarily have to play target or look for. You're kind of looking for your team, like I said, really for the quarterback position. But just looking kind of what you have in place, and do you have enough depth just to kind of bank on? Um, the running back injuries are kind of flowing from week to week. Quarterback position has kind of been all over the place this year. Just a variety of things that can happen with the COVID included. You want to make sure you have as many options as possible for that playoff stretch. So I think if you're sitting in a position that you're not in desperation mode, try to take advantage of people who are and see if you maybe get, you know, buy all on some things where you can kind of add your, your to your situation and take advantage of what they need right now. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and it brings it, me into kind of my trade suggestion. Um, and, and this is a dynasty one, uh, but I, I like that that point. I saw someone on Twitter today who had posted a trade. I don't know if it was theirs or just in their league or what have you. But someone traded in a dynasty league Miles Sanders for or for uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, so that is example of what you're talking about. And that uh, without having seen anything else about the league, the only way that this makes sense in my brain is that the Christian McCaffrey. Um, roster their manager uh is pushing for the playoffs needs a running back that has a is alive or will be alive during said playoffs and all they could find was miles sanders that was the best they could get um first unless you're somehow that desperate don't trade christian mccaffrey for the rest of 2021 but if you can find a mccaffrey owner that is that desperate I'm not going to call Christian McCaffrey an outright buy, but if someone's desperate trying to get rid of him, then by all means, you can go ahead and abuse that. Um, I, so I will suggest kind of how I have discussed in the past, kind of throwing out feelers for some guys to see if they're uh, super over or undervalued. I think this is one of those cases where if you see if anyone has a knee-jerk reaction to Christian McCaffrey and wants to get rid of him for uh, pennies on the dollar here. Um, but with that, uh, do you have any last uh, transactional uh, advice in general? 
Um, I think there's somebody that might be available still out there. You might want to kind of put on your, your fantasy radars. We did Sean Jackson. We kind of talked about his big game that he had. Like he won the belly ups. Um, mm-hmm. This Raiders offense needs a speed guy. We did see Henry Ruggs become you know, more involved, and both of us agree that more consistent than we kind of expected to be than this year's particularly. So there is a role there for this player to kind of excel. Sean Jackson has been productive when he's played. So I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't think he's going to get injured tomorrow. But I do know as long as Sean Jackson's out there, might be somebody you want to have on your roster. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I mean, to your point, he's still got game-breaking speed. He will get open deep. Um, this much has not changed. So um, keeping an eye on him and playing him in those matchups with, with weak safeties or really just kind of in general right now with the Raiders um, just because, you know, they need that deep option, to your point, and have, have been able to get consistent production out, out of that deep option, um, you know, kind of bodes well for Deshaun Jackson. Um, so with that, we can move past the the – more transactional segment. We can kind of look ahead to um, some plays, some guys we're not playing in some of the big games coming up um, in the upcoming week. And we're going to start with the Thursday night game, um, Dallas versus New Orleans. Uh, congratulations to to these teams for getting to play back-to-back Thursdays, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, but just some kind of key themes we wanted to really – you know, key in on uh, for this game, first of which is, again, a kind of as I mentioned earlier, Taysom Hill, first game. Um, kind of what do we expect out of him in his first game back uh, as a starter? Um, you know, is he someone you can rely on as that uh, potential QB1 because of the rushing floor, or do we need to wait for that? Uh, what do you think? I think that if he starts, he might be somebody you have to. I mean, the Dallas defense hasn't been – Road beaters by such of the means, such against the quarterback position. We talked about his legs having given him a good floor. Uh, if you have concerns about his health, so but I think if he's going to play, then he's going to be able to be able to do things that you expect Taysom Hill to be able to do, which is run. And I think that he could be somebody that you can put in your lineup this week, particularly if you're kind of struggling with buy situations or some of the quarterbacks in the matchups and you know, kind of being not what you hope to be, all like a Russell Wilson. Yeah. And absolutely. I, I think he can definitely help out in a pinch if you need him. And he, like you said, with that rushing floor, he has really good, um, really good upside just because that can kind of boost him up past his, his own passing ability or past the, the passing ability that his weapons can really sustain. Um, and the, the other one of the other big keys is Kamara and Ingram. If both end up active, can you play both? Um, what are you thinking? I I think you can. I, I think that we saw in that kind of that one week 
Uh, if I remember correctly, it really was only one week where he got both of them fully involved in this offense, but it, it worked out pretty fine for both of them. Um, obviously, it pushes down Mark Ingram. Um, you know, he's not the, the RB2-ish that he's been in these past weeks, but nonetheless, um, you know, he still has some value. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think that it's it's not something you prefer to do, but I feel like if you're an Alba Kamara owner, you feel like you have to play him if he's healthy and he's out there. You're probably worried about some limited use. He's probably not going to be getting, you know, 30 touches by any of the means. Um, we talked about Aaron Jones kind of disappointing this past week coming back off an injury. You can see something similar where maybe it's just not going to use it you're kind of hoping for or looking for. Having said that, I think it's the most impossible for you to play Alba Kamara because I can doubt you're going to at least have a flex option that's not that's better than him. So that's where I think he has to probably be in your lineup. Um, and then I think that when you look at Ingram, you, you're looking at the basically the other guy who is that chess piece who could get the touches, who's giving you involved both in the rushing and the passing attack, even if Alan Kamara is involved because the Saints have still lack of playmakers. I think it is somebody that you can kind of put in there as a, at least a flex option as well. So I think you can play both these guys. Yeah, I can't imagine that uh, Sean Payton's dying to give any more carries to Tony Jones. So um, I, I would imagine that if they're both out there, they'll both get carries and he won't. <laughs> um, kind of the last point in that game, of course, is on the Dallas side. And just kind of generally, who who do you really trust from the Dallas offense um, to consistently produce? Because they've been so you know kind of topsy-turvy all season. Although all the signs, I Amari's definitely out. And has Lamb been confirmed out yet? I know it was kind of looking that so, way. So, no, um, from what I'm understanding, Cooper is – Jerry Jones says Cooper is going to play this morning. But by the same time, oh. McCarthy said that Cooper has to practice tomorrow and has a pretty bad cough, so they'll see. They'll see. Lamb should be fine. He's, he's out of his concussion protocol. He's one of the guys, he hasn't had any kind of COVID issues as far as I'm aware of. I know McCarthy has the COVID uh, mm-hmm. issues. Other coaches have kind of, we're going to be out this game. Um, they will get Smith back. But I think some of the key situations besides just the receivers is the running back situation. You're basically getting squat from Zeke and you, you got lucky you got a touchdown on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Pollard has, you know, everybody's clamoring for him and how explosive he's going to be, how great he's going to be. Really hasn't been that much more effective over the last three or four games either. Dallas' running game just hasn't been what it has been. That first guy had fantastic stats on Thanksgiving, but I was talking with Dan on, our, on you know, his show about this. He looked horrible. i never seen 400 yards look worse in my life. Like, I, it was incredible. You know, fantasy-wise, it doesn't matter, but it was like this, this isn't sustainable. It just, just he looks horrible out there, like they're living off big plays. So Dallas' offense, I think, is really kind of interesting. I think C.D. Lamb is definitely one that you can play. I think that you're going to have to decide if Cooper or Gallup's going to be the other guy that you can play. I don't think you can necessarily play all three. Um, I think there'll be some temptation to do it, but Dallas hasn't really shown you the offense. They can carry all three guys right now and the tight end position. Um, so I think for myself, I'm trusting that if Zeke's out there, he's probably the best chance to get a rushing touchdown. So I probably have to play him. I do like Pollard's matchup. I know the Saints have been good against running backs, but they have not been good against running backs who can catch the ball. So I like, I like he has a little bit of a floor, especially PPR. And then the receiver and core, I like CeeDee Lamb. And I like I said, I want to see if Cooper's going to be limited in any kind of way. If he's full go, I like Cooper. If he's limited in any kind of way, I like Gallup. Yeah, I, kind of to your point there, um, I, I'm not that concerned about the running backs just because both of them get receptions out of the backfield. 
Um, so especially for PPR, I, I'm just really not all that concerned. Um, you know, Zeke gets around three, four, five targets a game. Uh, Pollard, similar. Um, they're both kind of involved out of the backfield. So, I, I again, I'm just really not that concerned about them. They have a pretty safe floor. Um, and obviously the potential for some upside after that. Um, we'll definitely be monitoring the receiver kind of situation, you know, who's in, who's out. Um, you know, uh, Cedric Wilson's kind of the biggest kind of chess piece in that, and that, you know, if it's Gallup and him, he has value, but if, if he's the receiver three or later, then kind of not really at all. Um, so, you know, how the whole receiver group works itself out uh, over the next two days, that that part will be very interesting to see. Um, but but nonetheless, um, <coughs> yeah, I, I, whoever Dak Prescott's top target is, is a must play. And then after that, maybe. <laughs> um, Dalton Schultz, of, or, <coughs> yeah, play him. Um, yeah, I, I think you go ahead with them. I, I agree that that was not a good look for Dak on – um, on Thanksgiving, but I don't know how you can bench the talent of some of these guys, uh, unfortunately. Oh, good. Um, moving on to the first of the Sunday games, Chargers and Bengals. Um, it was kind of the theme here was, are you worried that Mixon kind of is taking too much of the workload for some of your other guys to really see the light of day and, and Higgins chase. Um, you know, I, I think you you probably feel good about Mixon Burrow, but how, do, how are you feeling about, you know, your Higgins chase? Yeah, I think <clears throat> you're a little bit worried in my opinion. It's been kind of hard. You're living off of Joe Burrow's efficiency. Um, he's got a lot of games where he's thrown about 200 yards. <clears throat> he throws for the third touchdown. He pans out. But if he doesn't, you're kind of screwed. In the receiver position, you've kind of seen Jamar Chase cool off quite a bit over the last few weeks. Higgins has kind of continued to get targets, had a decent game last week. But overall, his passing attack, with Joe Mixon being such a force, has kind of fallen in the back burner. And this isn't the same, you know, Cincinnati team you saw last year was just throwing the ball constantly. They've become much more running oriented as a team. And Joe Mixon's kind of dominating their touches. Having said all that, I just don't think you can still play Jamar Chase with confidence. I still think you can throw T. Higgins out there as receiver three. Um, Boyd's still a guy who I think is very volatile, though he's going to be more consistent guys, which in PPR because of late. And Burrow's a guy I think you can still play in the pinch if you need to, or should be one of those cop- quarterback options I was kind of talking about earlier in the show. Yeah, I feel fine about those guys. Um, I, I mean, here's something that I, I'm trying to keep in mind, um, both as someone that rosters Mixon and rosters some of these other guys. Uh Mixon's had almost 60 carries the past two weeks. Uh, the Bengals are in firmly in a playoff spot right now. They're looking like they should be not, I don't want to say safe in that, but they have the upper leg over a handful of teams in that situation. Um, I'm not saying Mixon won't cont- continue to be an RB1. He will, as long as he's healthy. Um, but I also don't think that there's any reason for them to continue feeding him 30 carries. I think that number probably drops down close to the 20 it had been uh, prior to this week. Um, I just know the Chargers game is kind of a game that you do get worried yeah. because you can't run the ball over the Chargers. So yeah, but he could probably drop the point. yeah he could probably drop the 130 yards that he has he's been getting in 20 carries. He may not even need the extra ones to uh, get the same production. Um, 
so uh, you know, I I just can't see them kind of continue to batter him like like they have been. Uh, you know, given that he has had an injury history, um, you know, going into the playoffs this late in the season, I again think he'll still get a heavy heavy workload. Just don't know if the thirty carries a, a game is sustainable. So that should open at least five, seven more targets for those other guys, which, you know, not adding a ton, but uh, nonetheless, um, you know, should help a little bit. Um, and then what what Chargers pass catchers can you trust? Because it's certainly Keenan Allen. Um, but past that, there's two, almost three tight ends that have had some kind of legitimacy here and there. Uh, Mike Williams was a dominant force at the beginning of the season, then has been a very hitter or miss kind of since then um, I really since that, what was it? A hamstring injury kind of six, seven weeks in, um, you know, had that kind of flare up and then has been very, very hit or miss ever since. Um, so I don't know. What do you make of that kind of receiving group? Cause clearly uh, you know, there's something to be had there just in that they have good passing volume. Um, Herbert's a solid quarterback, but uh, it just hasn't really been predictable. Yeah, I mean, I know that society has been pretty good overall against the pass, but you have seen defenses, you know, or offenses, I should say, have good games with the receiver position against them. They're not lights out by anybody stretch of the means. Right. Um, I do think he is definitely trustable, but I'm still, I'm still a bit bullish more so than Mike Williams. A lot of people are. I like what I've kind of seen over the last week or so um, where they've actually kind of got back to actually involving him closer to the line of scrimmage and more less so as such a big playable receiver and more so as a kind of volume guy that he was being used in the Lions in the beginning of the season. I think that's one of the things that changed besides the injury possibility is that they just kind of changed the usage of this guy and kind of put him back in that role where he was last year, just going deep all the time, making him responsible for, you know, running guys out of the play, basically, Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Keenan Allen did come out last week and say something about our offense being more effective with Mike Williams being involved. I think that's going to continue to be an issue. That's something you have to do, and I think that even though it's a little bit different game script for Pittsburgh last week, you did see Claypool and Deontay Johnson both be able to get off and get theirs. So I do think that these both these receivers can be productive this week, and I'm still going to start my claims if I have them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think um, Mike Williams got the volume you wanted to see last week. He didn't really come away with it maybe as much as you wanted, but uh, the volume was encouraging. The usage was encouraging. How he was getting used was encouraging. So, um yeah, I mean, I feel good about where he's at right now um, as opposed to kind of where he had been on the other side of the last two weeks. Um, so I guess moving on to the next game, Washington versus uh, the Vegas Raiders. Um, what do you think about Hunter Renfro and kind of these other pass catchers? So Hunter Renfro to Sean Jackson, I, I think I've already had my spiel about Brian Edwards. Um, but you know, are you sneaking in Zay Jones in deeper leagues? Um, and then, of course, like I said, matchup based to Sean Jackson. Um, and is, is Hunter Renfro kind of a must start in this game or really even in general, especially in PPR? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Hunter Renfro arrival has occurred. And I think especially in PPR leagues, you have to start this guy week in, week out. I mean, the last couple, last four or five weeks, this guy's been squirrel and you know, dominant. All like was Wes Walker back in the day, getting seven, eight catches. He's actually getting utilized actually in the red zone again now. Had a couple of touchdowns over the last couple of weeks. Uh, a guy you've seen an um, ungodly amount of volume. Obviously, Derek Carr loves throwing him the ball. So even if Sean Jackson gets more involved, it's not going to really hurt Hunter Renfro. 
And I do think this has to be a guy that if you're in PPR leagues, you're starting, and then now standard league scoring, or even half point PPR, you might have this guy in your lineup, week, you know, receiver three at least, because he's got such an outstanding floor and starting to show you some kind of ceiling. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's been getting, like you said, a ridiculous uh, target share uh, over the last four weeks. He's 9, 9, 4, and 8. So, uh, I mean, that's certainly kind of the target share that you want out of a receiver, especially one of those guys that uh, a lot of the balls he gets thrown his way are kind of high percentage completions. So in PPR leagues, you know, if you say he gets eight targets, he's probably catching at least six. Um, you know, he's, he's someone that catches most of the balls that goes his way. He's got sure hands. Like I said, he's, you know, underneath a lot. Um, but then this week specifically, how do you feel about Deshaun Jackson? Is he someone that, you know, kind of with a matchup uh, in Washington defense has underperformed severely this year? Um, are you, you taking that matchup and running with it because Carr will definitely have enough time to go deep? Or are you, um, you know, kind of staying away from this one? I think that depends on the situation that you're in. I think that if you're on a roster that, you know, you need some upside and you kind of need a guy who's going to give you more than four or six points and you want to try to take that shot, I think Deshaun Jackson's the guy you put in your lineup this week. You know, Washington has struggled this entire season versus the pass, particularly the big play pass. I think this is a game that there's going to be some points kind of in this game being scored. They both teams will be able to move the ball versus each other's defenses. And I think Deshaun Jackson has historically always kind of owned the Washington football team. So I think this is something to kind of think about. You can put him, I wouldn't mind DFS lineups at all. I think in standard leagues or standard, uh, standard leagues, you could put him in there. Like I said, if you're looking for some upside, you're not going to have a lot of options. We have some of these guys on by. A lot of times in the injury situation right now, there's so many receivers who just aren't producing. It might not hurt starting with Deshaun Jackson in your lineup. EPR might be a little harder because I think the volume's going to be there. So you're kind of really banking on the big play. But I think this guy is going to be someone that's going to need to be involved in this offense and I think can be this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I kind of like what you just said there, um, you know, about the team situation, because you absolutely, if you're kind of in the playoff push and you're going into a really close game, it pays off to be really aggressive kind of with your plays. I mean, going for those high upside guys, Deshaun Jackson is like the poster child for those high upside guys, uh, especially at this point of it, in his career. Um, so, you know, if, if you're projected to like lose by three points, then Sean Jackson's probably your guy to go ahead and flex and say, and if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose by a lot. But if, you know, I, the Sean Jackson could very well go for 20, um, just, you know, based on a couple big plays. Um, um, who do you want to play on the Washington side of things? We've seen the return of Logan Thomas, which wasn't, you know, crazy loud or anything from him, but nonetheless, a reliable tight end has returned. Um, but otherwise, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, Gibson has had kind of a, a turnaround a bit as of late. Um, you know, McKissick still had held some value through that. Um, uh, you know, McLaurin, of course. Uh, so what kind of what are you taking on the Washington side of things? Yeah, I think I'm sticking to the basics for the most part. I think that Gibson's a guy that you kind of see return to that resurgence as the RB1 usage, especially in the first two downs. Still not going to pass the ball you're kind of hoping for, but McKissick did get banged up this past week. I know McKissick scored both touchdowns. You know, you love to for Gibson owner, but that's not going to usually be the case. And against the Raiders defense, is struggle against the run this entire season. I think Gibson's the guy you can probably prefer to play. The team shouldn't be a blowout by capacity. So you should see Gibson continue to be out there for most of the game. 
Then McLaurin's the other guy that, you know, he's, he's been all over the place this season, but still, as as most receiver ones have been, still a guy that you kind of want to still put in your lineup week in, week out, because the upside's just there. He's definitely the best receiver on this team. I know Casey Hayward, Hayward's been awesome for the Raiders, but I also think the Raiders can be exploited in passing game before it gets moved around a little bit. So I think this is the guy you still have to play. Logan Thomas may be an option you have if you have to play somebody. Uh, didn't love what I saw last week. I thought it was, you know, kind of love lumbering out there a little bit. I like to see him kind of get more adjusted. I think it's a good matchup on paper. So there might be some, you know, might be the best option you have. But it's not like I'm thrilled to get my lineup. Um, and I think that there's nobody else in this offense right now. Although Curtis in return, it looked okay. Uh, uh, Dale Carter looked okay. There's two other guys, just guys that I'm not really going to target anybody else in this offense. Yeah, I'm not really concerning myself with the deeper receivers. Um, if you're desperate at the tight end position, which a lot of people are, Logan Thomas is an option there, but he's certainly not a high-end one. Um, but, yeah, you know, play your basics, play your guys. Uh, absolutely, I like that. Um, so moving on from that game um, to one that in previous years would be a really fun game, but it, I, it'll be hard to make myself – kind of watch it um, this upcoming weekend, San Francisco versus Seattle. Uh, again, historically a really good game, but the Seattle offense has just been so frustrating to watch as of late. Um, but uh, on the – well, we'll stay on the Seattle side then. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the U.K. for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21+. plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. What do you see from Seattle on offense, like as far as uh, kind of the receiving options go? Um, it, it, I can only guess the answer, but I imagine you're not uh, interested in any of the running backs. Uh, so what are we thinking of the receiver position for Seattle? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really tough. You expect that there should be something being productive in this running game, and you're getting absolutely nobody to pull out of. Uh, Alex well, Collins has not separated himself. and has gotten worse and worse. DJ Dallas is obviously the passing, catching back. But these guys both had a lot of running backs out of the equations past week. Homer wasn't active. Penny wasn't active. And still weren't able to do anything. Uh, a big part of that's because Russell Wilson is just atrocious out there. I don't know what's going on. I think the biggest thing I see personally is he looks scared. He looks like scared to step into his throws. He looks like he's scared to be able to get, he's going to get hit in his hand. And as a result, he's thrown off his back foot when you're five foot four and you can't throw off your back foot. Sorry, it's the NFL. Um, so that, that's what I see right now. I know it's going to change. It's really hard not to play a DK Metcalf or a Todd Lockett because, you know, Lockett, you just all had a nice big game. Maybe we're supposed to have hit a couple times across the field. 49er secondary is super banged up. They're also not going to have Fred Warner this week. Um, so there is opportunity for Seattle to actually do something offensively. I guess you have to play your guys, but, man, it's going to be hard for myself. I, I, I'm a DK Metcalf owner. I can't bench him, especially against the 49ers. Lockett, I'm probably rolling out there. The guy that I might figure out a reason not to, maybe for, like I talked about earlier, Taysom Hill, maybe I don't play Russell Wilson this week because I really do not like what I see. I know he saved his stats kind of in the game where he got a touchdown, the red swing there. But overall, Russell Wilson isn't somebody you can really trust right now. Yeah, it, it looks 
difficult to uh, to trust him right now for sure. Um, and so, what, what do you think on the San Francisco side of things? Uh, you know, with losing Debo, that kind of puts a wrench in their normal game plan. Um, so, is this kind of the, what Ayuk needs to kind of turn the clock back to last year, back to his rookie season? Or, uh, you know, are, are we going to avoid kind of situations like last week with Kittle? Uh, what, what do you think we've got going on? Yeah, I think we, I think this actually, in a way, I know DBC owners aren't going to love this, but it helps all of the 49ers, three 49ers in particular. It helps Elijah Mitchell. I think that you kind of talked about that earlier in the show, and then we saw this past week. This guy can be this offense and can be kind of a catalyst if you continue to give him touches, both in the rushing and the passing attack. So I think that Debo Samuel kind of vulturing some of his carries I think is definitely going to help Elijah Mitchell. And then I think that you look at Brandon Ayuk. I would talk about some previous shows that Brandon Ayuk kind of is that handcuff to have at receiver. If something happened to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk was going to be more valuable because 49ers seem to be only be able to involve one pass catcher overall at a time. Um, so this last year happened when Debo Samuel got hurt, Brandon Ayuk kind of took off and vice versa. So I think you're seeing similar this year. And then I think George Kittle gets to actually get back involved in the offense again. Last week had one catch for 13 yards. That was pathetic. The week before, he had saved his kind of day having, you know, a touchdown, but basically only had 30, 30 something yards. Uh, Kyle Shanahan gets cute with George Kittle and kind of forgets about using him in the passing game particularly. So I think it's kind of forces him to not allow him to do that. I think George Kittle is actually a beneficiary of him being out, people being out as well. Yeah, I, I agree with all those points. I mean, I think those are the three obvious guys. I'm not going to get cute with any of the, the deep receivers. I'm sure one of them will – I'm not I'm not even going to say make me regret it, but I'm sure one of them um, will kind of have a solid game, but I'm not going to chase that. It's just too unpredictable. Um, you know, I'm not going to be going after – uh, what was it Juwan Jennings or who was the guy that was that popped off at the beginning of the season for a couple games for no reason? Oh, um, I call him Taylor Gabriel all over again. <laughs> oh. Oh, if, if we had that Justin in here, he'd be yeah, he, he would know for us. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I'm not trusting uh, those guys. So it's just going to be Ayuk. Yeah. Trent Sheffield, for sure. That's who it was. Um, um, but yeah, not trusting those guys in any way, shape, or form. Just stick to your your the normal guys from the 49ers offense, then you just switch in Ayuk. Like you said, he's that handcuff. Um, moving on to Sunday night, Denver versus Kansas City. In my opinion, the NFL picked the wrong game to flex into Sunday night. But nonetheless, here we are. Uh do you – I have to ask. I have to ask. I, I think that, you know, you probably have to. Do you really have to play Patrick Mahomes? Like, is it a must-do? Like, you have to? It's like, man. I don't ask myself that same question. I have Patrick Mahomes on my roster this week, and I – it's it's a catch point to Denver looks good statistically. But then you see who they actually play at the quarterbacks, quarterbacks. And a lot of times they play like teams with the Texans and the Jets and Jacksonville early in the season. Steelers. Where they kind of made their numbers look really good. Yeah. Um, there are exploitable. I know they've been on a bit of a streak lately. People kind of have that Dallas game still kind of fresh in their memories. But Denver isn't this elite defense. Let's not forget this defense got lit up by Cleveland with basically backup running back situation and backup quarterback. Um, so, I, if Denver is not some team that you can't score the ball against, 
I'm more concerned to see what the Chiefs are going to be offensively. Did they use the bye to get right? Now, the one thing that I will give Andy Reid historically, that he comes off byes usually nine out of ten times very well and has some kind of wrinkle or two that he's added to his offense. And usually that first game back after the bye, they look good offensively. I, I haven't seen Andy Reid do anything he's supposed to do this entire season, but I'm hopeful that there was some adjustment during the bye and that this team will kind of get back on track offensively. Because to me, it's not about Denver's defense. It's about Kansas City's offense and them staying aggressive and them staying with realizing who they are. Yeah, I, that's 100% what it is. I think to answer my own question, probably do have to start Mahomes. But, man, is it going to be frustrating if it's going to be more of the same? Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I, there's just not many situations where, where someone else is going to come along that you can trust as much as – that you can – bench him for really i mean i will say he puts a stinker out this week i think that that kind of goes to where i was talking about getting quarterback options for the playoffs because if you're still in playoff contention you know patrick Mahomes, your quarterback is not a guy i want to necessarily trust in the playoffs then because if you can't do it after the bye then i don't know if you're ever going to be doing it the rest of this year where i can trust you yeah a hundred percent that you know if you're a mahomes owner maybe go after Taysom hill pretty hard um yeah, uh, oof, that one just really hits hard. <laughs> it's home. Uh, how do you feel about playing on the, some of the Denver guys? I've talked about Cortland Sun, Cortland Sutton uh, earlier that I, I think he's droppable in the redraft. But who who do you think is worth playing? Um, you know, outside of the two running backs, who are a bit more obvious. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you can put in Judy and Fant. Fant really just because of the desperation at that position. But otherwise, it's just it's just too spread. <laughs> yeah, this is a really tough game because you saw last week when Denver can run the ball, they just will. Yeah. And as a result, it's not so much, you know, about Judy and kind of Cortland Sutton. And I've heard that narrative a lot. But if you look at the target share, it's not that much different for Cortland Sutton. The problem is they just don't throw the ball enough the last few games because it's so run-oriented right now that right. nobody's getting any major targets. There's nobody getting th- more than three or four targets. They're only throwing the ball such little, you know, a little bit of time that there's, there's not enough guys who could be involved. So it's not like, like even Judy isn't having a floor you're kind of expecting him to have. So for me, this this is a game where Adam, I feel like I agree with you. I don't know if the NFL wanted to flex this game or not, but this could be the game where you know logic comes back to the NFL hopefully this week. And I feel like. You're going to see the Chiefs be what they're able to do, move the ball offensively, and I think you're going to see Denver actually move the ball offensively and see actually guys be productive they're supposed to be. I think that you can start both Judy and Sutton this week. I do like the running backs. I think this game is going to be a higher scoring game, and I think the Chiefs are also going to have a higher scoring game as well. So I like to see this, and it might be actually one of those games where both teams are in the upper 20 to 30 points and being able to move the ball up and down. Because legitimately, either one of these defenses are role beaters, and our offenses have the capacity to do so. It's just a matter of kind of being more aggressive. I think you're going to see both teams do that this week. Yeah, absolutely. would love to see Logic return to the NFL. I'm just a little scared that it won't. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just my hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Can't really push back too hard there. Um, Monday night. New England versus Buffalo. This would actually be a pretty good game, the way that New England's been playing as of late. Uh, 
But would you play any of the Buffalo running backs? That that's been a hot topic with and a Breda inserting himself in there for a little bit, and then obviously uh, you know some weird inactives and everything. So what would how do you feel about this running back situation that has seemingly been kind of all over the place? Well, not just all over the place, but you also see a Titans running situation just basically ran all over New England. Uh, both Foreman and Hillier went over 100 yards. So you see, it seems like you should be able to attack this New England you know, running back situation with your running backs. Having said that, I'm not touching the Buffalo running backs just for anything. This seems like a, a New England light situation to me when I say light by the sense that not even you can't even trust that there's going to be a volume guy in this in this rotation. There's going to be two or three guys who are going to be madly used from week to week. I know Reed has been kind of the, the flavor of the week, but even so, he's getting like nine, ten, ten touches. You can't live off of that. And I think his offense wants to run the ball. I think they want to throw the ball all the time. I think they're off the court in their show, and that's who he wants to be. I think it's the smartest thing in the world to do. But I think when they you know push comes to shove. They won't commit to the running backs enough or running even enough for any of these guys to really be somebody you can trust putting you on. So for myself, I'm not going to play any of these guys, but I was curious what you think. How about yourself? Nope. I've been anti-Bills running backs from the start. I don't trust it, not even a little bit. Uh, there's just, just too inconsistent. It's too all over the place. I'm not uh, kind of like I was saying with, with you know some of the receivers, that I'm not in the game of you know predicting – all like the randomness. If it, it's one thing, if this certain player does really well in certain matchups, it's another thing entirely where it's just on the will of the whim of the coach for that day. Uh, so I'm not doing it. I'm not I'm not riding the Bills running back train. I won't do it. I, I'm above it. Uh, what I'm not above is going and picking up some Kendrick Bourne. Is I, I think he is a high upside piece right now. Uh, you know, he's someone that. You know, as Mac has begun developing, has been more and more, um, you know, more and more consistent. I, I guess I should say. Uh, I was shocked when I looked at his player profile on ESPN and then P- PPR. I think he's cube or wide receiver like 24 or 25, uh, which is way higher than I would have certainly expected. And granted, that puts him just because he hasn't been hurt, that puts him uh, kind of de facto o- over some other guys, but. Nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I think he is a high upside play. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's crazy to me. I'm on the same boat with you, Adam. Like, so I'm looking at Kendrick Bourne's stats, and I'm watching him run for a second touchdown last week, and I'm like, I think he's had a couple of games now where he's scored like, big touchdowns. And he's the Patriots' big play receiver, but he has been this entire season. The guy that they kind of have forgotten about, you know, all the money they paid for his offensive players this year, Janu Smith, Hunter Henry, Aguilar, all those guys have been kind of okay. The biggest guy who's probably produced the most bang for the buck has been Kenyon Bourne. Um, I still don't trust any Patriot receivers because it just seems to be similar to the right situation in Buffalo we talked about, where every time I think I figured it out, I'm wrong. Um, or they run you know, the ball 400 times and they throw the ball once in the game and you, know, you get nothing from the receiver game. So I'm not touching a Bourne, but I do think that there's something that I had to kind of remind myself, and maybe somebody in you know, had more bets than I do. I'm more of a guy who just can't get out of my mind what he was in San Francisco. I just can't really believe this is this is really the same guy. Um, <laughs> but I think if you can believe that, then it's definitely somebody you can find a play because he has been really good the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's certainly enticing. Um, just kind of seeing what he's done the last few weeks, kind of like you said. Um, 
we have a listener question from our guy Daniel. Uh, Van Jefferson, Green, or Metcalf? Sit one, almost thinking Metcalf. Yeah, I think it, Dan, that's tempting, but I, I think for myself, I'm going Van Jefferson and Metcalf. I, I, the guy I trust least in that mix is going to be Green. I think there's a good chance Hopkins could return this week. Arizona still has multiple playmakers. Ertz is kind of starting to eat some of these targets. So for myself, I'm going to stick with Metcalf out there. I still think it's the guy you drafted to be your one of your top receivers. You still got to put him in the lineup. Um, I think in most cases that's the case. I will say if you're a, a dominant team and you're just kind of trying to stay on top, you could do worse than Green. I, I think he's kind of that consistent, like, going to play, you know, near the – eight to 13 points, most games guy. Um, so Metcalf, it's kind of a de facto Deshaun Jackson right now, just with the way that Russell Wilson's playing through no fault of his own. He is kind of just that he either going to go off or kind of be pretty quiet just because Russell Wilson's not playing well at all. Um, he's not able to get the ball to him really well. Um, so if you're like most people and, you know, fighting for your playoff spot still, and the aggressive play of Metcalf is probably what you need to do. But, uh, you know, if you're a dominant team and you're just trying to, you know, stay safe, then green, I could see going for green in that situation. But otherwise, just playing it uh, aggressive with Metcalf is probably the move. Um, yeah, so... That kind of leaves us, unless you have anything else you want to hit before we head out of here, that kind of leaves us um, with just our, our upside players of, of the week. Yeah, so my upside player of the week would probably be Reynolds. I talked about him earlier in the show. I love the matchup versus Minnesota. I think this is a game where you're going to see two offenses that have pretty decent pace on both sides. And one of the things that kind of gets forgotten about in the NFL, particularly when I was up late, is how important pace can be. Uh, I talked about Cincinnati earlier, and what's one of those teams that struggles with pace because that's why it's hard to get all the playmakers involved. This shouldn't be a game where that necessarily happens. I think Minnesota can score points versus defense, even without Dalvin Cook. And I think you're going to have to see the Detroit kind of have to try to match that. And Josh Reynolds is a guy that you can put your lineup this week and sneaky play. Yeah. Um, I like it. Uh, and for, again, this is more of a dynasty thing than anything else. Um, but game script wise, if you were desperate because of buys, say you've got you know some of the Green Bay or God forget for forbid Cleveland guys, maybe a Jarvis Landry or something. Um, Con Fredwell again, he's going to be in a game script where the Jaguars are very negative against the Rams. He's not going to be drawing the Ramsey matchup. Uh, you know, game script fits. The volume should be there. If you need 10 points in a deep league, he's there probably for free. Um, so if you're desperate enough to, to go back to a, a draft bust, then if you're desperate, he might get you 10 points. Yeah, I'll throw one more out there for everybody. Um, this guy owns this team historically through his career and had his best game this season against this team as well. That's T.Y. Hilton versus the Houston Texans. T.Y. Hilton could be a guy that you kind of forgot about to put in your lineup. You, call him, you saw him have a little bit of volume last week. You kind of saw him be more involved with Carson Wentz. 
Uh, Pittman still got his targets, so Hilton's got to still come. You've been putting him up, I think, especially against this Houston team. He seems to own him and love playing against him. So T.Y. Hilton's one of my upside under the radar plays of the week. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. He has historically been very good against the Texans. Um, I would be remiss just to not throw this name out there. Um, that we, like, We've hit on him a couple times if you're just catching us now. Um, Deshaun Jackson, just with that matchup, um, you know, with how he's been used, um, of course, is is probably playable this week if you need to get aggressive. Um, but otherwise, I think that's – I think that leaves us pretty set to go. Um, thank you guys so much for watching and or listening. Uh, we appreciate it so, so much. Um, we are glad to be back. We will be back next Tuesday, of course. Uh, we'll be doing the pregame show uh, this upcoming Sunday. Um, again, thank you so much for watching and listening. Uh, Chris, what's up with the Belly Up MDFF show? Um, what times should we be checking um, checking you guys out? So we'll be on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'll be on Wednesday and Friday show. Check us out on Wednesday around 9 o'clock, 9, 9.30-ish. On Thursday, Dan comes back and does the show by himself as he's watching kind of the Thursday night game. So you can pop in around the Thursday night game around 8.30-ish. And then Friday night, you can come check us out for our DFS challenge. Uh, it's free. It's always a contest we do week every week in, week out. So Chaz Florida is going to join us. on, And we usually start that show around 9 o'clock, so come check us out. We have lots of things to kind of you know listen to, get you ready for the playoffs. Um, everybody's kind of at home stretch right now. i got about two or three games left. So hopefully we can give you some advice to get you there and get you some money. Heck yeah. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for the third time so much for watching or listening. Much appreciated. See you next week. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.